We say this word as it goes, it will go forth, even to the nations, and it will set men free. It will cause your kingdom to be established, Lord, in our lives and in the lives of every hearer, in the name of Jesus. We ask for help, Lord, even for your servant, Pastor Banky. Lord, help him, in the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name, everlasting Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. All right, the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. All right, quickly let's open our Bibles. Let's take our declaration of God's greatness and God's glory. Somebody say after me, say, Jesus is Lord. And he will reign forever and ever. Say like you want to boost the anointing. Jesus is Lord. That's better. Jesus is Lord. And he will reign forever and ever. All right, Jeremiah chapter 10, quickly, one of those ones we read once in a while. Jeremiah chapter 10, we read from verse 6, and uh, we may jump here and there to save time, but we are going to end in verse 16, that's about 11 verses, we may jump one or two verses. Are we there? All right, verse 6, one to let's go. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are all together stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Verse 9. Beating silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Ophers. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the ends of the earth, and makes lightning for the rain, and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. The portion of Jacob is not like this, for the maker of all is he, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. Don't you just feel good reading that? I don't know about you. I do. I feel good reading this. I say it again. There is a time in which all the fake gods on this earth will be judged. He said, in the time of their punishment, they will perish. What is happening is that they are going to re- be removed from the surface of this earth. He said, thus we shall say to them, the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. Once again, we declare that Jesus is Lord, Amen. and every idol is perishing. Amen. Say it again, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say after me, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And he will reign forever and ever. Say, in agreement with my brethren, I declare over Nigeria, 
Jesus is Lord. I declare over this land. Jesus is Lord. Now say this, the peace of Jesus Christ. We reign in this land. We reign in this land. Of the increase of his government. And of peace. There shall be no end. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. We'll take our seats in a moment. Quickly, let's take our declaration of understanding. Uh, as we always do before we study. If you are ready for that, give me an amen. Amen. All right, I want to let us go now, I declare. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. How would we heal you today if you pay attention to it in Jesus' name? It will solve problems for you. It will. The word heals. The word solves problems because it is alive. And the life in that word is coming to you again today in Jesus' name. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. All right, let's just take a text of the scriptures. I have about two of them in my mind. Which one should we read to start? All right, let's start from the book of Malachi. The prophet Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. We'll read from verse 13. Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge? And that we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Uh, like in James, they use the word often. And the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who esteemed his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I prepare my own possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace. Of course, you know I've gone to chapter 4 now, but Amalekai didn't divide it into chapters. That's why I'm just reading it straight like that. All right? Burning like a furnace and all the arrogant... And every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, remember, those who fear his name spoke to one another in verse 16 of uh, the previous chapter. Now I say, for those who fear his name, the Lord was saying, Verse 2 of chapter 4. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. 
You will tread down the wicked, for there will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Now, we are, I'm reading this, okay, uh, to continue what we have been talking about, um, expressions or the breath of faith. Uh, what do you mean by breath of faith? Remember, that means the manifestation of faith by which the possessor of faith himself, herself, we know that I have faith. That is, we are not saying it to judge other people. We are saying these things to see how our own faith is alive. God has promises for his children. If you go and read that um, Psalm 139, there was a way David said it. He said, if I were to think of all your thoughts towards me, he said, there are so much, you know, I cannot phantom. That is, I cannot handle the thought of it. Let me just quickly get to that uh, uh, verse. That's Psalm 139. He said, um, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I will count them, they will outnumber the sand. Now, what am I trying to bring out here? God has thoughts. God has plans, promises for his children. At the reference, we say all God's provision are in his promises. That everything God wants for you in life, what he did was to speak a word. You know, the other day I was um, listening to the Bible on um, the audio Bible. And one portion struck me. Because it's actually, it's one of those, you know, when you've been reading the Bible for a while, there are portions that you, you, you've read many times and you keep on going back to. This is one of those portions. Yet, when the man narrating it got to that point, I was driving. It struck me. I said, wow. God said, I saw you squirming in your blood. That is a newborn talking to Israel. He said, and I said to you, now bear this in mind. I said to you, leave. Now it struck me. That's all he did. He said, leave. I did not come back until that baby had reached the time, according to him, of love. Until the time was that, that baby girl was ready to marry. He said, I said to you, leave. Then what hit me there was that that's all he needs to do. He just said, leave. And by saying leave, that's Ezekiel, I think, chapter 16, thereabout. Yeah, right? When I said leave, and that's it, you couldn't die. I hope you're getting my point. Let's read it. Let's read it. All right, you'll see what I'm going to say here. Because I'm talking about the promises of God, because they are so great. And taking the words of Derek Prince, that is where God packaged all his provisions for us. Let me just read from the beginning. Um, I'll start from verse 4, so as to save time. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not caught, nor were you washed with water for cleaning. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in cloths. No eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things to you, for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for you were abhorred on the day you were born. Now, what does that tell you? This child was not wanted. I hope you're getting my point. And a child that is abandoned like this, what will happen? Die. No, <laughs> sorry, I digress once in a while. I was reading the news today, and they said a baby orca died. You know, it was an orca, a killer whale. So I said, why is it news? In my mind, why is it news? They said they've been searching for the mother for days. Ah, and it's news. And they use helicopters to search, and a lot of volunteers searching the ocean looking for the mother that the baby orca was found 
you know what they call stranding of um, we, we, um, these animals. Yeah, the wave brought it on shore, but then the tide went down before it could swim back, so it was stranded. So it was just about two to, is it four months old? And then it died today, surrounded by love. <laughs> I said, oh, you problem different too. I love African man. That thing is pepper soup. <laughs> no, no, no. The thing is like four meters long. This whole baby, this baby thing is like from here to here. No. Yes. No, it's more than that now. Four meters. It's four meters long. Fish. Hey. <laughs> hey. I love Africans. That mother is in the fire. You know what I'm going to say? <laughs> when you were looking for the mother, they say, finally, he died today. They called the vet. The vet rushed there. I said, now, wow. We have different problems, so. Hey. We see that size of fish. We will thank your mother. Or do <laughs> now, why did I tell the story? They said they knew the baby couldn't live long without the mother. That's why they were looking for the mother frantically. They kept it in a pool, but of course, it didn't last long. After a few days, suddenly the baby just turned for the worse, the condition. They got the best to look at the child. Of course, the baby died. So it made international news, which is why I'm telling you about it. I feel bad telling you about it because it fits our message. <laughs> a lot is good. Anyway, back to our message. So, now why I told that story about the orca and all of that is simply because, you see, that is how um, a baby needs support. That is how a baby needs the mother. In fact, of all living or higher living, let me just borrow the word animals for a moment. Okay? Even though human beings are not animals, all right? Let's just borrow it for a moment. The human baby is said to be the most helpless. If you give it to a baby goat today, in a few hours, it's walking about. As for some other animals, they just lay their eggs and they go away. The, the eggs will hatch and they find their way. Most animals, when they give birth to their babies, they can follow the mother. They just need to hear the voice of the mother and they follow. Chicks, once they are hatched, they get up. And the mother moves, they follow. But they said the human baby is the most helpless. It cannot help itself in any way. This food is breast milk. You have to put the breast in his mouth. The best he can do is shift the mouth in the direction which he's feeling it. Otherwise, he can't reach out for anything. So when God is talking about this, which is the reason why I'm reading this, you can see he was saying that you were condemned to death. That's what he was saying. The circumstances of your life said you must die. Do you get the point? Yeah, that's it. He said, no, I looked with pity on you to do any of these things. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for you were aboard on the day you were born. Nobody wanted you. That's the point he was making. All right? He said you were unwanted. Oh, you know, it's good to read some of these uh, simpler translations. Look at what King James, New Living Translation says. He said you were unwanted, dumped in a field, and left to die. In fact, I've just read this. I don't have to explain all of this. I'm explaining you were unwanted, you were dumped in the field, and left to die. Now, that's not our message, please. Our message is verse 6. When I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood, I said to you why you were in your blood. What? Leave. Yes, I said to you why you were in your blood. Leave. Now, look at that verse 7. By that word, though, I made you numerous like plants of the field. Then you grew up 
became tall and reached the age for fine ornaments. Let me just stop reading here. Why I'm bringing out this issue is that how did he help this baby survive? How? Just a word. He said to it what? Leave. Didn't bring the, you know, he said nobody dressed you. Did he dress the baby? No. Nobody wrapped you in cloth. Did he wrap the baby in cloth? No. But he just said, leave. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God shall a man live. That is, without the clothing to wrap the baby, he said to the baby, leave. Without the care and affection that's needed for a baby to thrive, he said to the baby, leave. And because of that word, the baby lived and thrived. I hope you're getting my point here. Yes, that's the way it is. So the Red Prince says, everything God wants to do for you in your life, what he said is every of God's provisions, all right? That everything God wants to do for you, I'm explaining it, has been packaged in his promises. So if he says, prosper, he doesn't have to sit you down and teach you this is what you need to do to prosper. That word will teach you by itself. I hope you're getting my point. When he created at the beginning, created everything, created the plants, created animals, what did he say to them? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. That's all. That is, he just said, be fruitful and multiply. That word went out and caused the plants to grow. That word went out and caused the animals to thrive. It caused them to reproduce. That's just the way it works. Once God has spoken, the word is, no, to say it's empowered is not a good word. The word has power in itself to bring itself into fulfillment. So when it was time for creation, all he said was light be. And there was light. That's just the way it works. Once he speaks a word, the word has power in itself. Now what we now need to do, which is why we're talking about it again, is that we must tap the power that's in the word. And the way by which we do it is called what? Faith. What does faith mean? Faith, the best explanation for faith, the way I can see it in the scriptures, is what Mary said to Gabriel when he came with that um, announcement. Gabriel, Gabriel gave her the word of God. You are going to conceive. And she was confused. What are you talking about? Gabriel tried to explain, you know, um, the power of the Almighty. The woman just said, and that's what faith is. Let it be unto me, how? According to your word. Our initial confusion was quickly thrown away. That is explanation, eh? I don't know where it's going to get us to. You know, well, sometimes I look at it. I said, Gabriel's explanation did not explain anything. He said, how, how, how would these things be? Seeing that I don't know man. He said, the, the power of the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. This one, that. How has that helped anything? Who is the Holy Spirit? Did she know before? Has she seen somebody that is overshadowed, overshadowed before? What did, so the woman said, listen, uh, okay. I don't know who you are. You say you're an angel, right? Let's do it like this. If it's the word of God you are speaking, let it be unto me according to your word. That is the definition of faith. Let it be unto me according to your word is how faith is defined. I don't need the explanation. Once I'm de- demanding for an explanation before I accept it, that is called unbelief. Because actually, the thing that God may want to tell you you may not have the capacity to comprehend it. Do you hear what I said? What he wants to say, you may not have the capacity to comprehend. So by the time he finishes explaining, you are more confused than before. So Naaman 
had a chronic skin disease, leprosy, we call it. Everything was okay in his life, apart from the fact that he was a leper. And then, of course, through many um, uh, um, uh, coincidences and occurrences, he found himself in the life or in the, before the door of um, Elisha. And Elisha decided to rub it in. He did not even come out, you know. He could have come and said, ah, the great Naaman. He said, no, you are not great where my God is. He didn't even come out. They said, where's the prophet? He said, he's in the toilet. She will wait. He said, there's no need. He said, I should tell you, go and dip in the Jordan seven times. My father in heaven. That's how the word of God is. Sometimes I was teaching, was it, okay, earlier on this morning. And I was teaching to my brethren, because there is this convention I had to teach, so the, the, I taught on Zoom, so uh, that was earlier so this morning. One of the things I told them, I said, listen, your Christianity must reintroduce foolishness into it. This is a Christianity that makes too much sense, why it's not working. Foolishness must be reintroduced. Like the foolishness in the eyes of the world. That the only reason I'm doing something is because I know it pleases God. That's what is called foolishness. And listen, foolishness must be part of your life as a Christian. That is, when we look at it on the surface, if the average person looks at what you are doing, eh, it must be foolish. It's important, though. When you are making too much sense, you are not walking by faith. You have abandoned faith. I remember one experience in my life. It was so funny because of the, my, the way my friend reacted. Then I was, um, I was in Lagos. I was, I was, there was a place I was working before I started my residency program at um, the teaching hospital. Now, I don't know whether you can put it in perspective. Of course, Naira of today is not the same as Naira of that time. Even though Naira of that time is not as um, great as people think when you tell them the story. And you can easily put it in perspective by uh, checking that the dollar was about 70 Naira. All right? So that will help you put it in some perspective. It was 70 Naira, actually. Exactly. Yeah, that time it was 70 Naira. I remember very well. 70 Naira to the dollar. So where I was working, they were paying me 9000 Well, I was doing the job before I joined the residency program. It was a night job. I worked, I covered a particular clinic at night and certain weekends in the month. And they were paying for that 9000 naira a month. When I began to work in the residency program, they were paying me 6000 naira a month. So the government work was 6000 This one I did just at night, and half of the night, all I do is sleep. All right? You need to wake up only if there's an emergency. There are nurses there, take care of the routine things, but there are, there are things that the doctor will do. But most times, I just lie down there, read. I do a lot of reading and listen to my messages and then sleep. Once in a while, I have work to do. But generally, that's how it was. So I was able to get 15000 at the end of the month. It wasn't fantastic, but it wasn't bad. You know, I mean, you could live. You couldn't buy a car, forget it. You couldn't buy anything expensive, but at least you could eat regularly and dash, buy your tips, which is most important. A Christian should buy tips. Those who used to buy tapes, <laughs> I could buy my tapes. But then something happened. When that other job started, I realized that I was going to work every evening, apart from about four evenings in a month. You know, the work was just at night, all right? So I reported around seven, eight. But this was Lagos. That meant I couldn't go to church because by the time I closed from my normal work and transport myself and get to the other part of town, this from Idiaraba to Ikeja. It would take a while. So basically, I wasn't going to church during the week at all. And then, the weekends, I worked some weekends. So I was free to go to church only two weekends in a month. 
It wasn't a big deal initially when I had my day free. But now the day was occupied. Ah. So I spoke to myself. I said, Vanky, this is not how to do it. Though. A man who, who has a purpose in life can't continue working like this. And it's for goodness, you say you're going to be a preacher. And you're not even going to church regularly. So one day, I took pen to paper and resigned the job that was paying me 9,000 naira a month to manage the one that was paying 6,000. In case you didn't notice, that meant my income dropped from what? 15,000 naira a month to 6,000 naira a month. That is not half. That's something like <laughs> close to two-thirds that we're dealing with here. So, of course, it was a dramatic crash, and everybody that knew me and knew that decision thought I was crazy. I couldn't understand why they couldn't see what I was saying. So, one day, very, a close friend of mine, very close friend of mine, he was in my place in Lagos, and we were talking. I said, um, ah, can you imagine? People think that what I did was very foolish. He said, I think so, too. Now, that's, why the story, that's what the story is about. It was supposed to be my friend. It was supposed to be the person consoling me. To say, don't worry, God will bless you. God will reward you. No. He said, no, I agree with them. I think that was a foolish decision. I didn't understand. Can't you guys see it? How am I supposed to live like this? Ah, uh, money, you don't have enough. I said, well, if now I don't have enough money. Before I didn't have enough life. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So my friend, who was my bosom friend, who I thought would be on my side, he said to me, I, I agree that what you did was foolish. And I was like, ah, you guys don't seem to get it. Hey, you don't have enough money now. But in my mind, before I did not have enough life. So what do you do now? And nothing. I was sitting in my house. And I remember very well, this was my words those days. I said, listen, you don't understand. I am going to be blessed in this life. I shouldn't die before that time. That's what I used to tell people. That the way I was going is how to live short. They will not reach where God kept the blessing. By reason of time, that is, there's something kept in front. You know, I found it hard to explain myself to anybody. Everybody was looking like, why would you just wake up? Nobody, no, there was nobody fighting you. You by yourself drop your income by more than half. And which night you were walking there, and like you said, you were sleeping. I said, but it kept me occupied all the time. Listen, I know some of you think it made sense because I'm alive today. If you were there that time, you would have wondered, what is wrong with this guy? I look back, no regrets whatsoever. I know what I was going through. No regrets whatsoever. And my issue that time was, like I said, going to church was even a problem. And for somebody who believes so much in the ministry, who believes in the word of God, how was I going to explain that to the Lord? And it was taking a toll, of course, stress. <laughs> I don't know how many of you have lived in Lagos before. Lagos, you know, Lagosians, don't be angry. I know some of you are watching us from Lagos. But you know, when God was saying that his, his servant was sacrificed where Satan lives, I think he was in Lagos. <laughs> Sorry, Lagosians, don't be angry. You, all you Christians are overcomers. <laughs> you know, when God said it, my servant Antipas, who was killed, where Satan lives. Sometimes you wonder, which part of this Lagos is this guy living in? You know, currently he's judged to be the second most difficult city to live in in the world. Yeah, it's second. When I heard second, I said, wait, more than Baghdad? What about um, Aleppo? That's Syria. I was, I was counting those places like uh, um, Kabul, Afghanistan. I counted all those places. They said, we are still, the Lagos is still number two from below. Why? 
They said because the average Lagosian, one of the things, one of them is that they spent, I think, four or six hours a day in traffic. The average Enugu person spent like four or six hours a month <laughs> in traffic. You know, Enugu people don't understand what they call traffic, but the little we are seeing that we're angry. But we're not used to all this kind of congestion. So that's why they rated Lagos as the second most difficult place to stay. Of course, there are other things like the cost of um, accommodation relative to your income. Do you have flowing water? How constant is power? And all the security. By the time they put everything together, eh, now they score us, uh, we are uniting with Lagos people now. They score us number two from below. And that's where you say I should stay and be working like that. Because how will you succeed in the ministry to which I have called you? Now that was my reasoning. I didn't think the stress was worth it. Yes, I needed the money too. Don't think I, I, I didn't have a problem with having more money. If you think I have a problem with having more money, just dash me, tell me, let's see how that will cry. If I don't cry, then just leave the money with me. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, so I don't have a problem. But just that I felt it was not worth the life it was taking out of me. Now, I'm talking about foolishness. Remember that's what I'm talking about. Listen, the life of the believer, there must be foolish things in your life. Honestly, there must be. I don't want to sit on that now. No, we began by explaining that God speaks, and that's where the power is. He wants something good for you. He puts it in a word. He doesn't put it in a detailed explanation. By faith, you unlock the power. That's what we're saying. What is faith? Be it unto me according to your word. It doesn't always make sense. Mary asks, how would this be? This um, angel, Gabriel, confused her more. So she said, let's end the confusion here. Let it be unto me according to your word. That is the meaning of the word faith. Faith is something, is the way by which you hold on to God's word despite what the environment is saying. Because everything in life speaks. Bear that in mind. You know, everybody in life is talking. Everything is talking. The weather is talking. The climate is doing its own talking. The road is talking. The radio, now you are hearing some, but that's not what I mean. I mean information coming from the radio. They are talking also. Different things are speaking to you. Your friends, they are talking. The building you are living in is saying something. The salary alert you get or don't get is saying something. In the midst of all these voices, God is also saying something. And what is doubt? Doubt simply means you pay more attention to what somebody else is saying than what God is saying. That's what doubt is. Doubt is that you are paying more attention to what somebody else is saying more than you are paying to what God is saying. Everything is talking. Listen, everything is talking. God came to Adam and Eve. Where are you? We ran away because we were naked. What was the first thing he asked them? Who told you you were naked? Because you needed to hear it from somewhere. You don't just say you are naked because you, you... They didn't know the meaning of nakedness. So how could they have said they were naked? There was no third human being to complain about it. I hope you're getting my point here. I know. Look, we know about nakedness now because there's a lot of privacy and they've come on. There are millions of us. But there was just a man and his wife. So the concept of nakedness had never come from anywhere. Yet they told God they were naked. So the Lord said to them, who told you? What I'm talking about is that somebody must have told them. The Lord doesn't make mistakes. When he asked that question, there was something he was trying to get across to them. Who told you you were naked? Somebody told you. 
So the Lord was saying to them, in effect, all right, that you heard something. Why were you able to hear what you heard? He said, have you eaten? So what you are interacting with tunes the frequency of your ears. I hope I get my point. So when they ate that, of that tree, instantly they were able to hear what Satan was saying. If you had told them before, you are naked, it would have meant nothing to them. Now what I want to just emphasize from that is that all around, everything is speaking. And everyone that is speaking is trying to get your attention. Everyone that is speaking has one purpose, to get your attention. I said about two meetings ago that you make up your mind to walk by faith. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, you make up your mind to walk by faith. Everything is speaking. Now, if you walk by faith, you release the power that is in the word of God towards you. Remember, what, what, we went to do this, we went to that Ezekiel chapter 16. God just said, leave. The clothing she needed to leave came. The food she needed to leave came. The love, you know, and care she needed to leave came. God didn't give us details of how it came, but he said, I was the one that made you leave. How did I do it? I said to you, leave. What happens many times if we are the ones when God says, leave, prosper, do well, succeed. The other voices will now say, where? In this wilderness. Uh, the last baby they dropped here. Come and see the cops. The skeleton. He said, but the Lord said leave. He said, how do you know he didn't tell that one to leave too? I'm just advising you as a friend. Though. People don't live in this wilderness. Though. They don't. He said, leave. Okay. Leave. What did he give you? He gave you money? No. <laughs> Why can't you tell me to leave? What I need is money. I don't need all this talking. What I need is money. Okay, just look around you. Can you see any industries around? So where will you get the job? He said, leave in the wilderness. I believe that's it. Let's get practical. We are talking real life here, not church. One major sign that you are a non-believer is when you are able to distinguish between life and church. You, are, you don't believe. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a sign. When you, can, when you can sit down and say, look, let's be practical. This is not Bible we are saying that. We are talking about real life. Just know you don't believe anything. You are a non-believer with a capital B. No, is it the belief? No, the U. Two of them, the U and the B. They are, in fact, the whole thing is capital. Once you are able to distinguish between real life and the word of God, what is doubt is everybody else that comes to that wilderness. As I was telling that baby, listen, let's just be, I'm not saying the Lord didn't say you should leave. <laughs> it's just that. <laughs> this is your leave. <laughs> okay. All right. He said you should leave. does not mean you should be, you shouldn't be smart. So you will leave this wilderness and go and try somewhere else. And if it works, then you come back and give him the glory. It's not glory he's looking for. No, that's what we do sometimes. We'll go and tell lies and give God the glory. We cheat and give God the glory. We come to church. Pastor, please come help me dedicate this car or this house. And we, I mean to our foolishly go there and lay hands and pray. But well, once you can't tell me is how the money came. Brethren, join me to praise God. Once you can't tell the whole story, don't come and insult God by saying people should join you. There's no need. 
Because for him, the, the glory is, that story of the process is part of the glory. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. What is doubt? What is unbelief? Is when you pay attention to the other voices. Remember the story of um, Peter. Jesus spoke to him. Come. He said, if it is you, bid me to come. The Lord said, no problem. Come. And he jumped out excitedly. And of course, he began to walk on water. And he was walking on water. And then the other voices started. The wave came and said, ooh, let's get him small. The wind blew. And of course, strong wind, even though the Lord says you should walk on water, it doesn't say you can't fall on water. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> and what I'm trying to say is that if you're walking normally on the ground and you, strong wind pushes you, you know, you get up again and continue walking. The wind was trying to scare Peter. And I can imagine somewhere like Thomas, careful, oh, careful, oh. <laughs> John say, he, Peter, Peter, you don't get respect, to. You don't get respect. The, the, the fact that the Lord is walking on water. You too, you want to walk on water. Mm. Okay. Every voice is talking. And Peter was into all of them. Then the wave rose. Mm. And caught eye for Peter. Like <laughs> and Peter looked and said, my God. Then all of this, the, you know the summary of it? Distraction. That's the summary. Distraction. Let me give you a piece of advice. Whatever you need to do, do to focus on what the Lord is saying. Whether it's making sense or it's not making sense. If you have to paste it on your wall, paste it on the wall. If you have to put it on your phone, let it pop up every hour and read out a selected set of scriptures for you. Do that. Do whatever you need to do so that you don't get distracted from what the Lord is saying. Because once Peter got distracted, the fact that it was God that he obeyed to come out on that water did not stop him from sinking. Why did he sink? All the other voices. Jesus said, why did you doubt? We said, what is doubt? He's paying more attention to the other voices. That's what doubt is. What is doubt? Paying more attention to the other voices. They're always saying something. Everything says something. Please, I hope you're getting my point. So what am I saying here? So God said to that baby, leave. That was enough. That was enough. That contained all all the baby milk. You know, babies can outgrow clothes. You know that? The word said, leave. It had enough change of clothes for all these processes. That's what I'm making. He just said, leave. That word, you know, the baby is growing from, how did the baby nappies, pampas and co, how did they go? Is it mi- micro to mini to midi to maxi? He had a stock of all of them by one word, leave. From baby milk to solids to eating this and that, that word, leave, has it for the whole of the life of that baby. Why? The Lord said leave. Whether we will experience the provisions or not is what the faith is about. And that is why it's so crucial, it's so vital that we preserve the faith. You know, I was thinking about it. Um, okay, no, we said, we discussed here, I think, uh, to, uh, to, anyway, 
one of these last meetings, that Satan is not in, interested in whether you live or whether you live or die. That is whether you have left this earth or not. What he's interested in is whether you preserve your faith or you don't. So what he wants from you is your faith. I hope I get my point. What he wants is what? The faith. That's the real thing. It's not, did I succeed in killing this person? He has not gained anything if you died. If you die holding on to faith, he has gained nothing. He has gained nothing. He will gladly give you a hundred years of life if there was a guarantee that you give him your faith. If you have the power to elongate your life for a hundred years in exchange for your faith, he will do it. Why? Because without the faith, all the promises of God are useless to you. Without the faith, everything that God packaged in that word of his, useless to us. So that is why the faith is what we must be careful to preserve. Please, I hope you are getting my point. That's it. And no, what have we been explaining? The fact that, listen, no, don't just assume you have the faith. Check it regularly. That's what I've been explaining. Check it. Make sure that the faith is actually there. Don't assume it is there. Make sure it is there. People don't fail because of economic circumstances. That is what the Bible says. They fail because Christians, now let me not say people, Christians, they fail because of what? Unbelief. Doubt. Doubt creeps into the heart. Because the power of God is so available that no matter what is going on outside, God can rearrange things so that his word will be fulfilled. Did you hear what I said? No matter what is going on outside, no matter what is going on in the environment, you know, the word of God is so powerful. It can rearrange the circumstances around until his word is fulfilled. So if it doesn't happen, the question is why? And that's the why we are saying it's called what? Unbelief. It's called doubt. So we walk all the time to make sure our faith is intact. The circumstances of our life, they test our faith. So if I'm hungry, God said, you will not lack. As I'm going to sleep in hunger, you know what I will say? Thank you, Lord, because it is written, I will not lack. My stomach is trying to tell me the Lord didn't say so. I have a simple duty, just not to, see, let me put it like this, just don't agree. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, no, that's what I be. I not agree. You know, there's this, this I shan't agree thing. I not go agree. Come to me and say, look, listen, everything God said, see now in your life, he said he's a healing God. Are you healed now? I, and I check, the pain is there, the trouble is, everything is there. So, you've agreed that the word of God in that area is not true. I won't agree. And even if I die, that literal die, that is physical death, and then, as we are walking out of this realm into the next, you start escorting me and say, "Shall you see now, Jesus does not heal. I still will not agree. I hope you get my point. Listen, there's a kind of stubbornness that must go with faith. I pray we understand what exactly we are supposed to do. Let's understand exactly what God actually wants from us. I pray we get it. This I no go agree. I will not agree. Okay, I'm stubborn. I will not accept. It's all he's looking for. I hope you're getting my point. 
one of the things you will notice from, from the scriptures is when they say things like, the Lord is good. You know, the Bible says that thing like that once, once in a while. It tells you that God is good, tell you that God is faithful, and you hear you read some things in the scriptures. Let me just tell you why the, the things like that are there. Because that is the only place you get the information from. Life will not tell that to you. I don't know whether you heard me. How do I know the Lord is good? It's not because I, it felt good. It is simply because it's written. I hope you are getting my point. No, bear that in mind. It is the scriptures. It's inside the scriptures that we discover exactly what God is like. What am I going to explain? Life will tell us all kinds of things. Our God is faithful. It's in the scriptures. Life will give us the impression he's not. Please, are you following my point? The character of God is described for us in scripture. Not from my experience. Now, listen to what I want to say. We may, now please pardon me for a moment, let me say it. We may experience it in real life. Now, why do I use the word may? Because interpretation of what is going on is different from what is really going on. I don't know what I heard I said. Yes, that is why you don't take, you know, unless you really, of course, the only way to interpret properly is that by faith we do what we understand. Now, let me explain that. These are a simple explanation. Let me just give a very simple explanation. Let's take a man like um, Joseph. Good man. Nothing wrong was ever recorded that Joseph did. Nothing. And then you look at his life for the, from the time his brothers, his father sent him into the field. All right? And you, you know, just start marking his life for the next maybe 13 years thereabout. And you want to tell him the Lord is good. I don't know whether you're getting my point. No. It doesn't feel like that. The Lord is good. Why am I asleep? Now, many of us don't realize it. The reason why Joseph's story is so easy to tell is that the end was recorded for us. Assuming the papyrus finished. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. So the story was not completed. Even though, even though he lived his life complete. But the story stopped about a year after he got into prison. We won't like that story till today. If they ask the movie, we won't go. It won't sell. Are you going to see that Joseph movie? Useless movie. What is the advantage of serving God? That's why the Bible keeps on telling us the Lord is good. The Lord is faithful. His works are done in righteousness. Why? It doesn't always feel like that. And what does faith demand? Stubbornness. So Job says something like, even though he slays me, I will still trust him. That is real faith. Oh God, that is real faith. Let me tell you what real faith is. Real faith is a type of faith that wants to die trusting God. I hope you're getting my point. That even like I like what that man said. He said last I was in Sokoto. He said that God is so righteous that even if He's killing you, you tell Him thank you, thank you for this death. Why? Because you understand that that is how good He is. That is faith. Faith just accepts the fact the way it is written and stubbornly holds on to it. That's why the Bible says things like, if Paul was writing, was it Paul that wrote that now? For a moment, it's confusing me. Even, it's James. Even though you have not seen him, yet you believe. And you rejoice, you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, concerning somebody you have not yet seen. 
That's faith. Why? It is written. Those who saw, they gave the testimony. God has given us the spirit of faith. We hold on to it. That is what faith is. So, even though I don't feel like he is good, I stubbornly insist he is good. So, in the midst of Job's troubles, you go and meet Job. Job, you see, this righteousness thing, it doesn't pay. Who told you it does not pay? Is it because of what I'm going through? Listen, God is faithful. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. He's a good God. He's a righteous God. He never does what is wrong. All his works are done in righteousness. Say, Job, with this one you are going through, uh, what I'm going through is different from what I know. I don't know whether you are getting my point. What I'm going through is different from that which I know. You don't describe your destiny from experience. You describe it from what is written. Please, I hope you are getting my point. That's what faith is. Let me tell you something about You see, eh? In this life, you just have to live for something. There has to be something you're just pursuing in life. I don't want to say something now. I mean a principle. I don't mean material thing. I mean a principle. Something that's just guiding you. And once you have chosen that thing, listen to me, people, die with it. That's the only way I can say it. We have chosen Christ. We are dying with him. Truth, thick and thin, we go with him. Faith is not, let me test. If it works, we continue. If it doesn't, we discontinue. That's not what faith is. Faith is I have chosen this one, or I have been chosen by him, which is actually the real thing. That's how it is. Wherever it takes us to, we are going there. If it takes us to the cross, we go to the cross. If it takes us, that's the principle. If it takes us to the palace, we go to the palace. But we know where it is taking us. Ultimately, it's written in the scriptures. So we have, we just call, oh God, I pray we understand it. Faith is not well, no, many times, you know, we, we, we pastors, we've done a lot of, uh, we, we need to be corrected. We have to correct ourselves and correct the people of God. Faith is not I have found how to get my own result, which is what Christians do a lot of times. They make up their minds, then they want God to approve what they have decided concerning. Did you hear what I said? For example, I have told God, the way we talk, that between now and three years, I must do this, do this, accomplish this, acquire this, go here, go there. We describe all of those things. And I say, how do you get it to come into existence? By faith. So I take my plan, put it on the wall. And I wake up in the morning and I say, praise God. I'm going to start a company this year. Amen. And in four years' time, we are going public. Hallelujah. And um, our opening capitalization is going to be 300 million dollars. Amen. All right. All right. The Lord, in the name of Jesus, we begin, that we're declaring. You know what we're thinking about? If I own 51% of a $300 million company, I'm a very rich man, and that's in four years. All right. So, uh, what business are we going to be doing? Um, we're going to be into software development. We're going to have an app that's going to rival um, Android in the name of Jesus. So, every day, you see that, and you're declaring, you're declaring it. You say, how do you get it? You say, have your focus on it. Don't shift you. Don't shift. Don't shift your focus. Keep on looking. You are determined by your own personal ideas. This is what your life is going to be. And we think that's what faith is. Listen, people of God, that's not what faith is. Faith is that I have discovered the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have come to understand that before I was born, he knew me. He ordained me for a particular purpose. There is something he wants me to do in life. Now, I'm going to follow that Jesus Christ wherever he leads me. I hope you're getting my point. 
And I hope you are following me. That is, every day he will unveil his plans for me. He will, through words, through revelations, through experiences, through different methods, lead me in the path of righteousness for his own namesake. So in that process, whatever comes my way, I know my life is in his hands. That is what real faith is. If he gives me a word, if he says in Isaac will your seed be, I believe it. If he says kill that Isaac, uh-huh, he must be up to a particular game. Do you, are you, I hope you get my point. It is his decision, not mine. But what is faith? I have found who to follow, and I will follow him till the end. What is faith? I have found who to follow, and I will follow him till the end. Faith is not that I have made up my mind concerning my own plans, and I have a principle by which I activate the blessing of God upon it. That is not Christian faith. Beautiful illustration again concerning faith. One of our sisters wanted to marry. Well, she was on her, on her own. Different people wanted to marry her. So let's put it like that. A rich, materially successful person came. I was serious on her case. She was dealing darling. And a young pioneering pastor. You know, they are pioneer pastors. They are pastors posted by rich churches. There are churches to join today, especially if you can speak, if your mouth is sweet like my own. <laughs> post you to one area. As you are starting, they guarantee you some things. And you have seen those who went ahead of you. You know how their life went. After passing for like eight years, they had a duplex. They had a title. You can see it. And people, just by the way, cannot just digress a bit. Young boys like to join such denominations. Say they have been called. Yes, they, they, they say they have been called. They went Bishop Oedipo sacks them. They'll go to social media. <laughs> they will go to social media as that complaining. You know what I'm talking about. Anytime they sack a pastor, they start complaining. I always laugh. I say, bros. This is ministry. If you are really called, start preaching. What is all this nonsense? You go to social media. It's a sign you are not called. If you are really called, start preaching. Start preaching. Start preaching. <laughs> you are looking for free life. Easy life. Go and start your own church. If you are really called, you say you are called of God. Must you go under that commission? Go on your own. Go to God. Receive your own commission. All this one of going to social media to go and be complaining that the man of God sacked me because I had not risen, no offering. The man said, no, you are unproductive. <laughs> you know, I don't understand for people. <laughs> that just by the way, people like to enjoy such things. Anyway, let me sit on my message. So, so the other young man came, a pioneer pastor in an area that's not very lucrative, physically speaking. Where if you go and pioneer a church, there are Three major cities in Nigeria. In fact, it's two now. I didn't stay up to three. It's now only Abuja and Port Harcourt. Lagos, no. Lagos is full. Oh. <laughs> Lagos is full. Oh. One of our brothers, when he got to Lagos, <laughs> you know, in Enugu, you rent a hall. You stay there Monday till night. 
That one, they give you time. Bros, your time is from 10 to 12. And that church is from... <laughs> That's why they mark them. Lagos is full of... Oh, the Lagos still there, yeah? The Lord is good. <laughs> I said the Lord is good. Now, <laughs> so this my guy came. This lady man came, met my sister. I know, guess what? She agreed to marry him. And left the other man. Ah. Now, we were talking about faith, right? So her father said, of course, her father, her father didn't have a problem. Well, thank God for your life. He knew the young man, believes in him. He said, what he just doesn't understand is the principle of decision-making here. There's a young man here that for what people are looking for in life, he has it already, he's settled, everything is okay. There's this young man, he didn't even come from an established denomination. He's a pioneer pastor somewhere. And you agree to marry that one. And the story, the answer she gave her father is why I'm talking about it. What faith is. Father said, why? And she said to him, it's like this. Hmm? Then she said that, I've thought about it. It's one person that can say to me, close your eyes, give me your hands, I want to take you somewhere. And I'll feel confident enough to close my eyes and follow him. That was the answer. That convinced the father. Said so this man, he may not have what other people are looking for, but I know him enough. If he says, close your eyes, come with me. I'm confident he will lead me somewhere good. That is what they call faith. Another of our sisters, a friend of mine, those is in Lagos, she had a similar situation. And there was this guy, she was just in love. You know, you know women can just love somebody. Sometimes you just look at the woman, you want to shoot her for, you know, just for the sake of humanity. <laughs> that is human being. Anyway, so she, I didn't, funny, I never met any one of the people that, you know, there's a period in life, these guys are just coming and going. So she used to give, she was my friend, so we used to just a lot, you know, and because I'm also, I'm a, I'm a Bible teacher, so she respects my opinion. So she and I would talk, she would tell me, this guy said, this guy said this. So this particular guy, anytime you're talking about him, she's smiling. He's happy. She liked him. And I asked her, do you trust this guy so well? You trust him with your, you know, I just asked like that. He said, Banky, she was the one that said, it's like this. He says like this. He said, hmm, that guy. I like him. I said, but, hmm, hmm. He said, if he says, close your eyes, oh, give me your hand. I want to take you somewhere. He said, I'll keep one eye open like this. <laughs> That's what she told me. She said that, if I still remember the way she did her eyes, I still remember we were standing that day. He said, I will close one eye like this. I'll keep one eye open. Say him. As I said, women, sometimes they amaze me. I told her, I said, my sister. I said, you know I'm your friend? Yes, I can't tell you the truth. Normally, I don't say things like this to people. Let me give it to you direct. It's not counsel now. Direct instruction. Don't marry him. I didn't say things like, uh, you know, I don't think. I just said, please, oh, don't. I said, don't try it. I said, she, you know, I've not met him before. Never seen him before. You are the one that will tell me the story of all these men. Abi? I said, I'm telling you concerning this one. Please, whatever you do, don't marry him. I'm talking about faith. What is real faith? We have married the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. Our eyes are closed. Whatever it takes us, we follow. He chooses our inheritance. He determines our destiny. 
We don't tell him what we want. We ask him what we want. Oh, I don't know. Does that make sense to you? You go to him and say, Lord, what should I want this morning? That's how it is. What should I want? If what your flesh wants and what he wants, they don't align, you start training your flesh to align his thoughts and desires with his own. So he comes to you and says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. What you call unequal yoking is when you want to plow your field, you have a horse, all right, that is a mule, and then you have um, a cow on the other side, two of them dragging the same plow. It was against the law of God. So if you are plowing with a mule, it has to be a mule and a mule. If you are using a bull, it must be a bull and a bull. If you are using a donkey, it must be a donkey and a donkey. So Paul said, don't do any unequal yoking when it comes to marriage with an unbeliever as a believer in Christ Jesus. So, the guy comes, and it's not only the guy that comes, the lady also can appear. Because Christians also fall in love with unbelieving women. Some of them like, go fine like Jezebel. Some of them go rich like Dangote. There are different reasons we are attracted to people. And everything inside your soul is correct. You say, in fact, listen, that night I was dreaming. I dreamt, I saw a cloud appear. Initially, the cloud was not clear. Then I saw myself appear in the cloud. The cloud began to disperse. And then the image of the people inside it began to become clear. And I saw myself walking on the right like that, you know? As I began to see, it was so clear. Hallelujah. Amen. And then something means I'm holding somebody's hand. I'm holding somebody's hand. I'm holding somebody's hand. <laughs> And then suddenly the other side of the cloud cleared. And Pastor, you know how I saw? I just saw that man or that woman. Eh? Okay. And that's revelation. So, of course, when you tell me that kind of story, who am I to contradict the Holy Spirit in your life? <laughs> then out of normal Jesus, I just say, so, which church does he go to? Uh, which church does she go to? Um, we're talking about the other time, you see. Um, say, wait, wait, wait. Is he born again? Is he a believer? Has he given his life to Christ? Is he following the word of God? Not really, but he's... he's... <laughs> Why do you start stammering like this? These days, uh, look, I've seen too much in life. I know they mercy anybody again. I'll ask you, is your head correct? I say, you are falling in love. I hope you know that. Say, yes, pastor, you are falling. It's falling. You're on the floor. <laughs> you fell. And anytime you fall, you should rise. Rise out of this foolishness, my friend, and wake up. Why? We train our feelings to follow what he said we should want. He said clearly, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. There's no explain. There's no story that you see. You know, he wants to learn the word. I've been, I'm noticing something about him coming closer to the Lord. He has not yet reached. Almost does not kill a bird. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. If you come to John the Baptist, sit near the water with John for four years while he's baptizing the whole of Israel. If you don't enter that water, may sink you inside. You have not been baptized by John. There's no. He admires John a lot. Who's talking about admiration of John? Come be baptized. He, have, he gives to John's ministry. Who's talking about giving to John's ministry? Go join, repent of your sins and be baptized. Until then, don't want to hear any story. What am I saying? We are teaching and training ourselves 
to love what he loves. So no matter what I feel, no matter what I love in myself, the moment he disagrees, I change my mind. You know, it's not, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's doable. It's not really that hard. One of our brothers did something once. That's why I knew how much he had respect for the word of God in my mouth. He fell in love with one woman. Seriously. He had told me about her and all of that. Christian woman, no. So he now told me that, ah, pastor. So he was going to see her to, with his proposal. So he stopped by my house. He said, accident. <laughs> so I said, what's going on? We talked. We spoke. And I said, that lady I told you about, I said, yeah. He said, I've made up my mind, so I want to go and see her. And when he said that, they asked one. Yeah, that time we're now driving in the car. I asked him one simple question. And he gave me, I can't give you the details now. He gave me an answer. And I just said to him simply, don't try it. He almost collapsed. He said, sir. I said, I'm sorry, you can't try that. I just said, look, wait for this. If she does not do this and do this, you can't. And I gave him one or two technical words. He understood what I was saying. I said, sorry. I didn't even tell him the Lord does not approve. Banky just did not agree. Based on certain sound spiritual reasoning. He looked at me. And he watched this woman walk out of his life. His heart was broken. He said, but Pastor Banky said I can't. And he did not. That, that's all. I just said, look, listen now. Look at the spiritual principle. I said, no, until this is fulfilled. No, forget that one. Ah, it, listen. It, you know, it's a pain. Unless you have not been in love before. It pained him deeply. He refers to it till today and is grateful to God for it. But I'm telling you, it's nothing less than 12 years ago. Maybe close to 15 years. And listen, I'm talking, and to him, I spoke the word of God. Respect for the word. You know, sometimes Christians amaze me. You look at the word and just turn your back on it and you're not afraid. Let me tell you, you will never go unpunished. Don't try to. Ah. As a Christian, you know what God will do? He will drag you back to that position. So this was where we stopped. Abby, let's start again. Him? He will drag you back there. Say, this was where we were, right? Yeah, that time I said you should go this way. You went here that way, right? I, I love you. <laughs> I love you very much. So out of my love, I'm counseling seven years of your life. So let's go back to where we were. That's how he behaves. That's what real faith is. Faith is that we have found Jesus Christ. We will, you know, this issue of, uh, there's, there's a reason why God uses marriage to explain our relationship with Christ and uses it to teach us concerning marriage, all right? There's something about it. If you read something that Peter said, he said to wives, he said, adapt yourselves to your own husbands. That is one word I found in Amplified, all right? When I saw it, I said, my God. The world has taught people upside down, especially women. It taught them upside down. And you hear things like, you know, my husband loves football. Me, I love, uh, what's the, what the name of this uh, thing that uh, they do every, every day or every week? Soap, uh, telemundo, soap opera, and all of that. Now, what I want to say, please, God help you to understand what I'm saying. So, the counselor will now sit down and say, okay, so in the house, 
And when my husband goes to watch football in the, our neighbor's house, the, the men gathered there. And I go to go and watch Telemundo. And then that's where the quarrel starts. And then people will now start looking and say, okay. So I asked the man, do you have a TV in the house? Yes. Do you pay for subscription to watch sports? Said yes. What I want to say, many people will not like it. But when I want to give people that kind of advice, I don't join the advice together. It's wrong if you're a counselor. Don't join advice. In fact, what I do at such, such times is that I will counsel you separately. And most times, I would rather not tell you what I told the other party. I want you to obey your own instruction. So this is the instruction I will give to the woman. I said, do you know the Bible says, adapt yourself to your own husbands? So what do you mean, sir? I said, go and learn to appreciate football. What's wrong with you? Go and learn to appreciate football. I know how to learn to appreciate football. Watch it a few times. Let somebody coach you on what is going on. Say, what that guy is doing is called back pass. <laughs> no, just watch history for a while. You no, know, just say, this, was, this, this is transfer season. This guy is moving over here for $8 million. This guy is coming over here for $16 million. The tax on this one is $5 million. So this guy, don't they teach you a few things? Once you understand something, it starts making sense to you. Yeah, you know, you know, one of the games I find silliest in the world, there are two of them. One is called cricket. The one is his brother, baseball. Do you, do you understand? And then when you watch those who watch it react, and you're looking at them, what is wrong with you people? Then you see one man run, fall on the ground. Then they say he hit a home run. I actually have this video of one professor of mathematics described Babe Ruth's um, number of uh, home runs and how he was beaten by Aaron and how Aaron changed his life by how many home runs he got, beating Babe Ruth's record. Now, if you know anything about American baseball, you hear of Babe Ruth and then Aaron. Um, Mark, is it, what's the name of that Aaron? Mark Aaron or something? And it's not a Nigerian sport, so I don't blame you guys for not knowing. <laughs> something Aaron, all right? So Aaron beat, Babe Ruth was a white man. All right, and he held the record for a long time. But then when they now allowed the blacks enter, Aaron, in a short while, overtook his record. And that guy did um, some calculation based on the amount of um, home runs the Aaron man hit. And then he published it in one on serious journal. He's a mathematician. And then it, it, about numbers. Then he met a professor and his career changed. And he told Aaron that he changed my life. Now, talking baseball. And then... When you see these guys talk about baseball, till today I am confused. Sorry, if you're an American, I, I apologize, please. I'm trying to explain something here. I can't understand it. Cricket is just as bad. Cricket is, according to Americans, is baseball on Valium. <laughs> and I'll put my own words, and to, to the Indian and the Englishman, baseball is baseball, uh, sorry, baseball is cricket on cocaine. <laughs> Yes, on speed. If you see the way people want to die for this sport, and I'm wondering, what is wrong with you people? Do you know, I don't have that feeling when people are playing football. I don't watch football much. But if you tell me somebody was transferred for $15 million, I understand why it's $15 million. One day, one of my senior colleagues said he was in England, and he went to watch a match on a weekend. And I think he paid 500 pounds. I almost fell down. I said, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. 500 pounds for a match. 
He said, yes, it was an Arsenal plane in Arsenal Stadium. And he just felt it was something he needed to experience. <laughs> you know me, I don't do calculation. I don't. 500 pounds multiplied by 600 naira divided by this. And then, uh, divide the X. At the end of the day, I came to 300,000 naira. Excuse me, sir. Did you say it was one match? Exactly, or oh, this is a ticket. Thank you very much. Just by the way, do you know the day I gave up on sports, I just knew that God has not sent me there. When I heard what Americans pay toward the Super Bowl, I went mad. $6,000 for one ticket. Oh, yes. You know what they call the Super Bowl? American football, which was one game that you don't understand. The first day I knew there must be something in the game. It was, it was in America. Two people did something to me. Our brother who were in his house for our convention, I said something about American football. And the guy looked at me like, this uncle, you did mad. You know, he didn't say anything, but he looked at me like, is this uncle all right? The boy plays high school, <laughs> this thing. Then we sat in my wife's uncle's sitting room. And he was, hey, he was jumping like this. I looked at, I said, uncle, bros, me go. Please, this is, you know, they play American football. So I saw two Nigerians. I appreciate the game. I knew there must be something they are doing. That, that, that was the day I just, I just shut my mouth. Because before I used to think it was a crazy game. Which one Nigerian tried to make them stop? What's the name of that guy? The pathologist. Oh, one the pathologist there. Yes, the neuropathologist. Yes. But, but they did a movie about his life. Uh-huh. With Smith, yeah, you know. You know. Yeah, I saw the guy talking on television. I'm like, ah, this guy is so passionate about the game. The game is destroying people's brains and all of that. Then my friend <laughs> in, in Texas were talking. I said, I said, Chooks, $6,000 for a ticket. I said, nah, I know why that guy is talking nonsense. That is a Nigerian guy. I said, nobody's going to listen to you. He said, I should remind him. That do I know how much money we're talking about? Advertisement for one minute during the Super Bowl is like $2 million. <laughs> now I just carry my Bible where they go. <laughs> I don't leave, this, leave me out of this sporting thing. Now, why I told the whole story, okay, I, I know where I began from. Just wanted to gist a bit. But what I'm going to say is that, you see, I appreciate football because since I was a little boy, I've been playing football. I know what is, you know, the, uh, this, the 18 box. I know what is this one. I know what is this. I know what is offside. I know the linesman. I know the referees. I know who's an attacker. I know who's a midfielder. As a little boy, you wouldn't believe it. I used to be a, a, a goalkeeper. Yeah, you know, I, I was a goalkeeper. <laughs> Yeah, I was a goalkeeper. I was a goalkeeper. Yeah. So, you know, we knew how... So, appreciating football, for me, it's kind of easy. But American football, baseball, cricket, because I have no idea what they are doing. In fact, until about six, seven years ago, I was as confused with golf. Until one of my colleagues just explained... That guy used to... Well, just just that guy used to be a phone. You know, DSTV premium bouquet doses was 10,000 naira. Then, um, is it high TV? There's one TV that took the premiership. High TV took, um, the premiership. So they were doing their own subscription for 5,000 naira. So he was a bit unhappy. He said, these guys have just increased my subscription money. So he will pay premium DSTV and pay 5,000 naira to high TV. So I said, why? He said, because he has to watch premiership. And then watch golf and watch tennis. I was looking at this guy like this. 
Those days, so you, you give somebody 15,000 naira a month just to watch these things. Not today. I'm telling you, you know how long so more than 10 years ago. Ah, I said, you give this amount of money, 15,000 a month. I couldn't believe it. He now said something to me, which I never forgot. It was a revelation. He calls me Oga. He said, Oga, it's my beer money. So he calculated for me that, assuming I drink two bottles a day, He showed me the cost of beer times 30 days. That's why I can see that this is cheaper than paying for beer. So he said, oh, guy, it's my beer money I'm using to buy to pay for television. And one day I was just using about it. One other guy said, yeah, he said two, two bottles, yes. That, that he said the guy doesn't drink. <laughs> two bottles. My wife used to work in UBA. And she had a manager. I won't tell you his name in case he's watching this live. The man was useless to all customers and staff after 2 p.m. every day. Once he goes for lunch, he takes two bottles of Odeco every day. Once he goes for lunch, that the whole branch they know, they get everything done before a guy goes for lunch. Because once he goes for lunch... He has two bottles. Big stout. You know what they call deco? Yes, every, every day. So they know that after that, he won't have, he has sense. He doesn't approve anything again. Once he comes back to the office, he's just sitting down there looking at all of you. <laughs> <laughs> anything you tell him to sign, he will not sign. So you are looking for you who put in trouble. <laughs> I know I'm drunk. You know I'm drunk. We all know I'm drunk. Leave that. Leave that. <laughs> so my colleague told me, he said, it's my beer money. So when he explained it, I said, well, it's better than drinking that amount of bottles. He was the one that explained to me what golf was about. And he explained that, let's see, the aim is to take the ball into the hole. That's how many times you need to kick the ball to get to that hole. All right, your proficiency is reciprocal of that. That was the first time hole-in-one made sense to me. You know, the moment he explained it, when I started talking about Nicholson, you know, Jack Nicholson, talking about um, Tiger Woods, and talking about those, he started making, before that time, I just knew Tiger Woods because everybody knew Tiger Woods. You know, there was a time, you know, that people you just know. You just know Tiger Woods. What he does, you don't know. He's just Tiger Woods, and everybody Tiger Woods. When you see him, you follow him, Tiger Woods, you don't know. You say, hey, but who is this? Tiger Woods, you're following him. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's all I knew about Tiger Woods. But the mother guy explained it to me. Instantly, I began to appreciate it. How a man can kick a ball from that distance. Yes, they should reward him if he can enter a hole with a single hit. All of this to tell you one thing. The Bible says, adapt yourself to your own husbands. That's what it says. If I want to counsel the woman... And the man, I have my counsel different. But I don't like to mix it. I don't like this one to be dependent on that one. I said all that to let you know, you can adapt. You can adapt. You can make up your mind. This is what I want to do. And you learn to appreciate something you never appreciated before. I just went through all this story trying to tell you how you can learn to appreciate a particular spot. Just ask yourself, what are the rules? But the focus for our message is, what exactly am I supposed to adapt to? 
How am I supposed? So, when we're marrying Jesus Christ, that's why I'm talking about all of this. We adapt to his ways. If he says forgive, we do everything to forgive. There is no instruction the Lord has given that we cannot obey. There is none. If it was not possible to obey it, he wouldn't give it. If he gave it, it's doable. If you can't, and of course, not if, you can't do it in your own strength. You go and do it with prayer. With prayer, there is no instruction he has given that is not doable. You know, we had this discussion here before. My kids and um, there's the family we discussed it last week. When Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Was it literal or was it not literal? We had a discussion in the house again last week. And what's the conclusion? I think we've discussed it here before. That was literal. Jesus meant it literally. He meant your eye is causing problems for you. Get somebody to help you remove it. Go to a doctor say, puncture this eye for me. He didn't say puncture. He said remove. And there are people who can help you remove it very nicely. Doctors do it all the time. Not to healthy eyes, actually. Right hand, ah, uh-uh, they cut it all, all the time in Zamfara. It's called Sharia law. So did Jesus say you should do it? He says some were made eunuchs for the kingdom's sake. Yes. Now, should we do that? What was he saying? If it comes to that, yes. But he's saying, let me add my own word, and I know his thoughts. It doesn't have to come to that. But if you realize that that's where it is going, you will find many fantastic ways not to stumble. I don't know what I hear what I said. If you know this is my eye that's making me stumble, this is where we are going, you'll be shocked at how many ways you will find not to stumble. For example, my right hand is making me stumble. How do I cut it off? If I don't want to cut it off, I put it in a cast. Abby? See, once I stop stumbling, I don't have to remove it. So the right hand is causing the problem. Eh? I get somebody, please. Lock it for me. Put it in a cast. Where's your hand behind you? You know, there's some things we're into. Just leave it like that. Yes, on, that is, I keep walking because I don't want to lose my hand. That's what Jesus was actually saying. If we understand the gravity of some things, you'll be amazed at the amount of power available for us. Yeah, the reason why we think there's no power available is that we don't understand the gravity of what we're dealing with, which was what Jesus was teaching us at that time when he said, if your eye causes you to stumble, remove it. When you see remover right before your eyes, you say, oh boy, there are other ways. Now, what am I going to say? That's how it is. So, that's what faith is. We have married Jesus Christ. No matter how difficult what he's asking for is, we do it. We follow it with passion. We understand that the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent ones take it by force. That's what faith is. Faith is that we have married Jesus, we're not going anywhere. If he walks into the water to drown, we drown with him. I hope you're getting my point. No, look at the disciples. At the point that Jesus came and said, our friend Lazarus is asleep, time to go and wake him up. <laughs> they said he's sleeping. Praise God. John, raise the prayer point. Raise the praise point. He said, for if he sleeps, he shall awake him. We thank God. Why do we have to go? All of that is because he didn't want to go. He said, no, this kind of sleep, it needs us. He said, Lord, that is the place where they want to kill you. They tried last time. We managed to escape. He said, our friend Lazarus is dead. Let me say it the way you understand. 
And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. This time around, you will believe on whom exactly that I am. You would understand. They didn't hear that. Though. All they heard was that he's still going back to Bethany, the place where they want to kill him. Why am I talking about faith? So Thomas looked at them and said, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, caught all of them one by one. He said he wants to die. Let us go and die with him. That's faith. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go and die with him. That struck me. We may call Thomas doubting Thomas. Believe me, he was not doubting Thomas really. He was faithful Thomas. Thomas was faithful though. He was the one that said, he wants to die. Eh? Peter, what are we waiting for? Let us go and die with him. That was faith. He said, but he doubted. Peter told him he rose again from the dead. That he saw him. <laughs> like I always say. Now, just, this is just by the way. I hope you know. There was nothing that was in Thomas that was not in the rest of them. Bear that in mind before you call him doubting Thomas. Let's change his name. His name was Faithful Thomas. This fellow was faithful. He was the one that said, if he wants to die, let us go and die with him. He said he didn't believe when he saw, when they said Jesus rose from the dead. He was the only one that was not there. Take my word for it. If John was missing, John too would not have believed. If Peter had not gone to that tomb himself, he would not have believed. If Andrew was not around when he showed himself to them, he too would not have believed. God just took Thomas aside as a sign of something that is inside all their hearts. And said, let us use Thomas to demonstrate it. So he made sure Thomas was absent. And when Thomas said, when Thomas came back, they told him we saw the Lord. And he said, is that a joke? He's dead. He said, yes, he's awake again. He rose up again from the dead. And he said, no, come on, guys, don't play with me. They said, it's true. He said, okay, let me see with my own eyes. The way the rest of you also saw it. The Lord set that thing up for one purpose. So that the rest of us will understand. He said, now you've seen and then you believe. He said, blessed are those who will believe without sin. His name is not Doubting Thomas. His name is Faithful Thomas. For your information, he said, let us go and die with him. You know what finally happened to him? He died with him. He died in India with him. But he left a legacy there. The Indians remember him till today. Till today, they can take you to the tomb of Thomas. Till today that we are speaking. They will tell you, come, let's show you where the apostle Thomas was buried. It's right here. I'm talking about what real faith is. Faith, Thomas said, let us go and what? Die with him. Now, this faith is what activates the blessings that God has packaged in his words. So he says to us, leave. Be stubborn about it. Once you have heard it, be stubborn about it. Even if you don't see it in your life, be stubborn about it. He has said, leave, therefore I will leave. But it appears like you are dying now, it doesn't matter. He said, leave. That's the last thing I will remember as I close my eyes in death. Thank you, Lord, for you said to me, leave. Because sometimes when that word leave will be activated, you'll be amazed at the new resurrection life it will bring forth for you. You'll be amazed. Because what happens sometimes is that we take that word, want to interpret it within the limits of our understanding. And sometimes that appears to fail. This is our faith is, is crucial. Without it, we are nothing. Sometimes, listen, when we see challenges around, 
There are times I look at things around that I just say, this appears challenging in my life. In my mind, I say, then it's a test of faith. What am I going to do about it? Nothing physically. I'm just going to continue believing. Let's take Nigeria as an example. I almost always end my messages around here. That is with Nigeria matter. Sometimes when you hear negative reports, believe me, <laughs> you almost be scared. Oh, yes. You hear some, that is, negative reports. You know, there are negative reports you hear from common people. There are negative reports you hear from security agents. <laughs> Last time we were going to uh, preach in Oka. Don't mind that pastor came to Hey, dangerous human being. His DSS friends told him, Pastor, cancel the program. He said, I can't tell Oka that one. Next day to cross check when I said I put up my hand. Oh yes, Inoka. I didn't know this man had heard from DSS that this is your program is at a bad time. We will pack our load. Those are our brethren in Oka too. They booked us very, very lovely. If I took picture there, they would say they shine like stars. Booked us very nice hotel rooms like this. We went, we set up the hall. And the hall was quite, was, the, the, the attendance was very good. But they all said it was, it would have been better, but for the situation. What I did not know was that DSS people had told Pastor Kemute, tell your pastor that this program should be canceled. He reasoned with them and said, no, I can't tell a guy that one. Leave it. We are coming to preach. And that was my second experience. That first time of operation, of a Python dance. I was in Sokoto. PFN Sokoto organized a program. And they invited me from Enugu as their special guest. As I arrived at the airport, the PFN chairman for the, for the state was with one military man at the airport. They were talking. So after I came, introduced me to the man. He said, this is the 2IC in charge of the uh, military cantonment here and everything. As we were driving back to the hotel, driving out the hotel from the airport, he was now explaining to me that uh, they had tried to persuade them to cancel the program. Ah. They took, that is security report, you know, DSS, this was the, uh, DMI, military intelligence. They called the PFM and said, guys, hey, you want to organize a major program of the Pentecostal churches in Sokoto as at, at this time, when Python is dancing, down on one side, and Crocodile is smiling in another place, and ra- Lafia Dole, you know, Lafia Dole has, you know what's that Lafia Dole? That's the operation in the north that time, okay? And it has one component called Ruahuta. Rain of fire. Yes, that was it. <laughs> so the people looked at the PFM and said, hey, guys, is this wise? So those ones went and prayed and reasoned and said, yes. It pleases the Lord for us to bring banking from Enugu. <laughs> I told everybody, don't tell my mother where I am because there are things that's not good. Let her find out where I went. Not where, you tell her where is Bangi says in Sokoto. In the midst of all of this. <laughs> but like I always say, what will I do now? Will I not stay in my house? No, really, that, that, sometimes in life, it's not you that's making decisions. So. These decisions have been made for you. They have planned the program. They said I should come. No matter what you tell me, I was going to go. Like the day Pastor Corey said, whether I will come, I was thinking of planning a program in Meduguri, in my mind. Eh? 
So he wants me to come for this number of days. I was looking at him like this. Meduguri. I should leave Enugu and go and preach for five days in Meduguri. But you know the truth? I couldn't say no. What just happened was that he altered the plan to the program they didn't hold. But if it had held, I could not say no. You know why I couldn't say no? There's just one simple reason. What's the reason? He was going there. No, there's no other reason. The only reason I would have gone is that the man is going. I'm not kidding. No. I was going to go. The only thing is that two days before I go, I will start praying some more. I will find the shield of faith. The breastplate of righteousness. There's not, that is, I will find the, you know, there are different kinds of scriptures. There are scriptures that are like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Very nice, good scriptures. It's shepherd things. Then there are scriptures like, Lord, contend with them that contend with me. <laughs> there are scriptures like, the wicked has drawn their bow and they have pulled out their, their, their spear, their swords to cast down the righteous. Their swords shall enter their own hearts. Their arrows shall finish all their children, you know. <laughs> so there are scriptures you will see. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. I will co- collect all those very dangerous and wicked ones. I won't tell anybody, 2 a.m. every day, I will recite it for one hour. I'm about to board the flight. Recite it. As you are landing, you will look the pilot, recite it. Any man wearing a uniform, you recite Look, one yourself up. But going, we shall go. No, it didn't cross my mind that I could say no. I would, no, I would have gone. I'm, please, I'm explaining something here. There are times you hear some negative things. I've heard them once in a while like that. They say, you want to go and preach somewhere. They say, security report says it's not safe. But we still went. Security report said cancel. The people, my host did not cancel. What would I do? I went and preached. I couldn't be the one. I, Let's be like that. I couldn't be the chicken. I hope you get my point. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't be the one to chicken that man. For goodness sake, well, the same gospel. Let's die together. It's not a problem. Something die with unbelievers. Why can't I die with believers? Is that not good? You, you can't say amen. amen. It's good now. <laughs> my wife doesn't want to say yes. Die. <laughs> 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 that is good. So sometimes you hear all of those things, believe me, brethren, you almost want to be discouraged. But like I said earlier, I get to a point in which you're no longer the, ones making the, the one making the decisions. That decision has been made for you. So what do we do? It's simple. We just believe till the end. And that's an, one attitude of faith we must have. We simply believe till the end. Is this land going to be good? It is good already. It is peaceful already. There's peace and quiet and calmness all over the land. Yes, it's peaceful already. It's prosperous already. There is justice. Yes, there is security. All over the land. The land called Nigeria, it is there. It's raining. It's raining peace everywhere. In the name of Jesus Christ. Peace upon which we ride. To Spread the gospel into the, every corner of the land. Amen. We are not going to use the peace to play. It's not time for tourism. When God gives us peace, you know, thank God for many of us have, have experienced it. I like the season of my life in which this happened. 
because if Jesus has not come back and I grow up to be, grow old to be a man of 120 years, I will remind the church, don't play with the peace that the Lord has granted. You know, those who have been to war, they don't like war. All the people that have been to war, they don't like war. They will do what they have to do to avoid it. There's a reason. They will tell you, war. You know when you say all the young boys, it's always up. They say, you have not seen anything. They have a saying in Western Nigeria. Say, the man that the war has not come to calls himself a man. Yes. Say, no, you have not seen trouble. Say, I'm a man. He said, obviously, you have never been to war. Say, those who have been there, they are not men. I, I had one today. You know, my skin <laughs> crawled. A military man, high-ranking military officer, describing to one of my brethren, their cousins, about war in Bono State. Ha. You know, you hear your skin will be moving. And the man said, my oddly took bullets for me. Say, when those men began to shoot, the man stood and said, oh, God, run. Say, sir, run. Don't stop. And he stood. And they were gunning him down. He was telling his oh, God, please, sir, don't stop. They tore him to pieces with bullets. But his oh, God got away. He, that's the man Being for another man. You know, we see it in movies. If you've seen this in London, it's falling. As they're about to hit the um, Marine 1, Marine 2 came, blocked it, took the bullet and crashed. Took the missile, crashed. I've seen it in different movies. You want to hit the American president? A fighter pilot, if you watch Air Force 1, it happened also. They demonstrated for you. All the defense making the Air Force 1 is gone. So one missile comes to Air Force 1. And one fighter jet just goes, blocks the missile, and blows to pieces. You know, you think it's a movie. This is a real one in Nigeria. Ha! What won't we do for the Lord? This one did it for his military superior. The man is the other, a left now corner or corner or something. And this man, for his level, is probably be a sergeant or something like that. The man stood and said, Sir, run. Don't stop, please, sir. Don't stop. As they were shooting, he stood between his boss and the bullets. And so God managed to get away. I said, Lord Jesus, oh, I beg, oh. No, really, I can't see. Well, let's not go there. For the Lord, we'll take every bullet, oh. There's a man doing it for another man. Who did not die for him? See, in this country, there will be peace. See, people have paid. And people have prayed. And when the peace comes, thank God for what we have experienced. In my lifetime, listen, if I, as I live, if you rise up and start preaching a nonsense gospel that will send the body of Christ astray, I will personally fire divine arrows against you. I will cast you over to Satan for the destruction of your stupid flesh. And listen, all you pastors are preaching nonsense. Be warned. Because that's where our problems began from. What else am I saying? Faith. We are dogged to the end though. There's no, when it comes to faith, there's no going back. We have put our hands on the plow. 
and we will not look back. That is what faith is. We have loved the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no other life. Let's read this particular scripture, 7 Corinthians chapter 5. He said in verse, um, let me just have from verse 16, uh, verse 14, sorry. I want to read from verse 15. 15 is what I want. He said, for the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. That's our life. That's our life as believers. He said, those who live will no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. That's how we are living. Our faith is not meant to grab, grab things for us. It's to help us live for Christ continually. All God's promise, provision, they are where? They are in his promises. Now, this is the kind of faith that draws those provisions. I hope I get my point. Now, what I, you know, we're talking about the expression of that faith. So this is your faith. This my faith must be shown to be alive each point in time. That's why we're doing this series, to tell ourselves, is my faith really alive? What I intended to teach today, which of course, by the Holy Spirit, we spoke, but we didn't get there, all right? Is to show, you know, we began by reading from Malachi chapter 3, before I went into explaining the word live, and that that's how God provides for us. He speaks to us. And our duty is to hold on to that word. Okay? Let's make sure nothing distracts us. So many things in life can distract. Medical science can be so good, it distracts us from the word. Because medical science has become so good, we are distracted. We focus more on what the medical science says than on what God is saying. Let's be careful we are not distracted. So that we can release that power that's in the world. So we explain that. But actually where I was going, okay? You know, we read from Malachi chapter 3 is that he said, those that feared the Lord, they spoke to one another, and the Lord heard it. Let me just introduce it. If God allows, we'll develop it further next time. There's no need to keep us um, uh, too long. All right? Now, what he was saying there is that our faith is expressed in how we speak casually with one another. That's what I wanted to explain. Sometimes, of course, we do that here. When we start, we take confessions of faith. We take confessions of the glory of God. We declare things like the one we read today now. That there's there's none like our true God. You know, we describe all of those things. All the other gods that did not make the heavens and the earth, they will perish from under the heavens and from the surface of the earth. We declare that. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. These confessions are important. We want to study, we go into our confessions also. We start with things like, uh, I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, we declare those words. They are very important. When we close, we share our grace. Also, confession. And they are very crucial. They are habits we must all learn. But the other part of it, which is what I want to talk about, to remind us, the reminder. Peter said, I know you know these things already. The other part of it is the one in which we converse with one another. I said something along the line that you find believers separating church from real life. You find us separating what we call faith from um, reality. And once we're in that kind of situation, we are canceling out our faith actually entirely. That's what we are doing. We are canceling the faith entirely. The truth is that for believers, there's no difference between faith and reality. This physical world we see is subject to spiritual things. 
this physical world that we see is subject to the realm of the spirit. Prayer, for example, moves mountains. It moves mountains literally and figuratively. But literally, it moves mountains. Prayer stops bullets. Prayer can prevent a bomb from going off. If God shields you with his presence, an atomic bomb can't come near you. Even though though they detonate that bomb right next to you, it will destroy every other thing. It will not be able to touch you. I hope you're getting my point. All the principles of physics, E is equal to MC squared, upon which that thing is based, can be canceled by God in an instant. I said something here the other day, that God can create a billion years in an instant. You are watching him like this, it's like one second. And what he creates, you will analyze it, it will be a billion years. You will check all the records of the revolutions of the planet, it will be a billion years. Yet he did it and allowed you to see the whole process and it was just an instant. One second, two seconds. So for us, faith is not something that we separate from reality. Faith is reality. In fact, faith helps us to understand reality. What we see, we cannot understand it except by faith. We're talking the other day about the principle of forgiveness. It was not possible, okay, to understand what was going on in the life of Joseph, except that is, if God shows it to you, except by faith. You will not be, they will be angry with his brothers, except you understood what God was doing. I'll be getting the principle here. So, when, so when they say those who feared God spoke to one another, that's it. What our real confession, the other ones we, I said, I mentioned, they are real. They are valid. They are important. But our real confessions, <laughs> they are made when we are lying down. You and your wife, you are just lying down in bed about to sleep. You are just analyzing the situation of Nigeria. You and your friend, you are sitting, sorry to say this, <laughs> you are sitting at a bar, you are drinking a bottle. A bottle of stout each. You know, you know what? Alcohol is very interesting. Alcohol allows us to know your faith. Your faith, yes. You're looking shocked. You say how? That time you open your mouth and say anything you want to say. Alcohol loosens your tongue. When you're in church, you can say, if I say, say after me, in Jesus' name, you will say in Jesus' name. But when they give you alcohol, you will say what you want to say. When you say in Jesus' name, you say for what? You know that Lagos joker? He said, you can say in, in Lucifer's name. You know? You know, the, you know that Lagos joker now? Ah. Only Israel knows him. That's Judah. Senior Israel, do you know the Lagos joker? He said, around. No, not the, one, not the which wizard of Endor. I mean the clown of Lagos. He said, Lucifer, that you get results quicker if you pray the name of Lucifer. You know the guy? I, I read it. I said, what? You know, that time when he started and he was shouting, I said that, uh, I told people that when he was saying that uh, uh, if you tie to any person in Nigeria, you're a goat. When he said that thing, yeah, when, when, when he said it, when I saw it, I said, this guy has a rebellious spirit. That this guy's spirit is not correct. He and I may seem to be on the same side when it comes to legalistic ties. And actually, we will get there all right, my initial plan was to talk about the Christian and you know, giving today as a sign of faith. And I want to talk about New Testament tithing. 
The problem with New Testament, New Testament believers, we are all tithers. We are all tithers. I am a tither. You are a tither. I hope. The difference is how do we tithe in the New Testament? Old Testament tithing calculates 10% religiously. New Testament tithing doesn't do that. New Testament tithing goes cheerful, giving continually. So if at the end of the year, you look over the year and do a calculation of percentages, it can range from very low to extremely high. Yeah. And that would be the real spirit of tithing. Anyway, when the man was talking that time, he now woke up and decided that, listen, you can print the name of Lucifer. That Lucifer is the original name of Jesus Christ. Alcohol, I told you. Once you are high, you will know what's really inside your soul. I think the guy must have used something. A strong one. <laughs> so when you inhale something like this, all the... You know what alcohol does for you? Okay, let me tell you something about alcohol. When you drink small, you start becoming bolder. Start becoming more daring. What people don't know is this. Alcohol has only one effect on your brain. It slows it down. He said, but how come I'm suddenly bolder when I take two bottles? It's simple. The first part it slows down is the part of your brain that restrains your behavior. So we call it social inhibition. So it first removes your social inhibition. And you open your mouth and I start talking. Say that one, Pastor Baki is saying this is own. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it because we follow into Bible study? Listen. On Biafra and Odua nation, we stand. Mazi is our leader. Chukwe Kokike Obiama. You start saying all kinds of things. I'll be looking at you like, what? Say, Pastor, leave that side. Say revolution now. What's the matter with that guy? <laughs> Say this country. Say fraud. Lord Lugard is a criminal. We should report. We, we, we should bring him back for trial. Yes. Then I will now give you three more bottles so you can go to sleep. Because <laughs> if I stop at that two bottles, I will hear everything I'm not supposed to hear. You know the truth? All those ones you are saying, that is the one that is really inside your heart. That is the one we start hearing it. When we are church, everybody is nice now. Say after me, in the name of Jesus, we declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every corner of this land. In Jesus' name. You, you'll be following me. But what you are really thinking is deep inside. It's when you see that nobody is looking. You are my friend. I don't know when I can tell you. <laughs> If Pastor Bang hears now, he thinks he will be saying I'm an unbeliever, but he's not in touch with reality. The reality of this country is that it's not going anywhere. Every young man in this country is finished. <laughs> what am I saying? What do you really believe? Ask yourself, what have I been saying in my private moments? What do you really believe? What have I been saying to my bosom friends who I can confide in? Those are the things you really believe. 
Those are the things you really believe. It's not the ones you say in my presence and the presence of the brethren. It's the ones you say when nobody else is listening. That's why I said those who feared God, they spoke to one another. And the Lord heard it. I want to emphasize this again. Those are the things that God really hears. You know, there's something I say here a lot of times. That many of the declarations we do here is practice. You know, I say that. That what we are hoping is that we will make them into a habit. The ones that are most potent. The one we do in agreement is potent to please. Don't get me wrong. But the real agreement is when without talking to me, you say something in your house. And without talking to you, I say the same thing in my house. And without talking to somebody else, he says the same thing in his house. Another person says the same thing. You know, we are saying the same thing. And why is that possible? Yes, because we have gathered and learned the same things. But when we now individually begin to declare that from the bottom of our hearts, that is real agreement. Agreement is not when you join hands. It's a sign. Joining hands is good. But the real agreement is that deep inside our hearts, we really want the same thing. Let me end with this. Again, let me drop the issue of Nigeria. That's one problem. To get agreement amongst believers is hard. We need to preach, we need to pray until the believers who live in northern Nigeria and the believers who live in western Nigeria and the believers who live in eastern Nigeria and the be- now please not the average person I say what the believers the believers who live in south south Nigeria the believers who live in you know, central Nigeria the believers that live in every part of Nigeria they are saying the same thing it's a crucial issue Right now, I don't know. I doubt whether we have achieved that yet. I doubt. Many of us are saying different things. And that is making it difficult for God to help us. Many of us are still looking at this issue in Nigeria for me. Let me just please beg you for this again, all right? As I, I want to round off now. Please, the issues in this country, in any part of the world, but we're handling the one God has given to us right now as a responsibility. Please don't look at them from the physical perspective. That's what I'm begging you concerning. You know, there was one Sunday boho and one Mazi Namdekanu that rose against Solomon. Do you remember his name? Yeah, Jeroboam. Yeah, go and read your Bible. Jeroboam was a rebel leader. <laughs> so he ran away to Egypt. Then when he heard that Solomon was dead, he came back. And Ahijah met him on the way, tore his garment, and gave him ten pieces. And then that was how he became the king of northern Israel. Now let me ask you a simple question. Was it... Now, first of all, before we even get to that point, he rose up when Solomon went mad. When Solomon went into idolatry, there were two of them actually. It was Jerubam and another person. Okay, I can't remember the other individual now. When Solomon rose up, he went into idolatry. They also rose up against Solomon. But they could not prosper the days of Solomon because of David. I hope you're getting my point. So the Spirit of God didn't let them thrive. They left the country. Then when God wanted to divide the country because of the iniquity, be careful about division. Because of the iniquity of the house of David, which Solomon did, he called Jeroboam back. And Jeroboam came because Solomon was dead. Solomon was looking for him. Solomon was going to kill him. So that's why he ran away. So you know in Nigeria, we have many people running away too. 
Sometimes they run, they run. We'll find them somewhere. We'll bring them home. Sometimes they run, they run. We'll find them in one place and they are negotiating whether they are going to Germany or coming back home. But you know, Jeroboam could not prosper until Ahijah showed up and prophesied the will of God concerning Jeroboam. In summary, we discussed the other time about forgiveness. In summary, it was not Jeroboam's idea. It was not. It was not. It was the judgment of God that did that thing. So we can't praise Jeroboam. We can only give the glory to the wrath of God, to God who has indignation. Please, I hope you are getting the point I'm making. I'm saying believers should learn to interpret life like that. Stop looking at it as, like in Nigeria right now, I still have a discussion with some people this morning. I said, somebody actually, I said, listen, in northern Nigeria, hmm, there was Boko Haram. Then there was, now these are different issues. Headsmen crisis. I hope you know the headsmen crisis in the south. It's a small thing compared to what they have in the Middle Belt and northern Nigeria. Yeah, that, one, that is where it is very, very serious. This one has the tip of the iceberg. And the one has been going on for a long time. It didn't start today. I almost started recently. So there's Boko Haram. There's headsmen issue. And then some people found out that, come on, there's a lot of money to be made stealing cattle and, stealing, and holding human beings to ransom. So they moved in, and you now have bandits. Bandits that are so... In fact, you heard about the military, uh, the, uh, the fighter pilot who, who escaped the other time. I don't know whether I read his testimony. He said, why do they call them bandits? That those guys are as bad as Boko Haram. So for him, he had to escape. That he couldn't fall into their hands. That's another group. And the bandits are not one group. Oh, yes. Now we can sit down and be complaining and abusing the government and abusing the head of state and everything. Let me say this to you. That is unchristian. That is un. Actually, that is shallow. That is irresponsible. I'm looking for a particular word. I've not used it. That is uninformed. Yes, finally. That is very ignorant. That's what I was looking for, actually. Because all of these things, actually, all of these things are physical manifestations of something going on spiritually. That was why when this Sunday thing began, I personally wasn't happy because I felt like this spirit has left here and has crossed over to Western Nigeria. And let's look at it a bit on a natural plane. How many of these forces can the federal government fight at the same time? Come on, let's have some pity. Some people in their hearts supporting you. Don't support. Look, there are other ways to do these things. There are other ways to do these things. There's more natural play. You don't want anarchy. Believe me, you don't want it. A bad government is better than no government. Trust me, you don't want anarchy. Trust me, you don't want anarchy. You don't want it. Whether you have everybody doing his own thing, anarchy is a place you don't want to be in. So it's one reason why I just felt, when that thing crossed, but I saw it, I said, this is, this is a spirit. Some people now say, you see, you see, you see, you see the, the West is also agitating. This agitation, I said, no, 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 no. What I saw was different. I said, this is a problem they're about to cross. So we have to stop it. We have to stop it. We can't let this thing fester. It's not good for us. I'm explaining this. Believers, please, I'm begging you. Stop judging these things from the physical realm. 
Get on your knees and pray, God, give me understanding. What is really going on? If God takes you to the higher realm and you see the real things happening, you will know just like Jeroboam, Namdekan, Sondikbo, they are not the issue. There's something else happening. There's some, so those are the things we as, as believers are supposed to deal with. Yes, there's discontent physically, I know. There are agitations here and there, I know. But what is really happening? And I can give you an idea. In Nigeria, <laughs> one, I give you some facts. Number one, a nation, listen, Lord Lugar doesn't know what he's doing. He was obeying divine order. He didn't know what he was doing. He was obeying divine order. God carved a nation for a particular purpose. We can't discuss that now. Just like in the days of Eli, idolatry filled the land, even amongst the people of God. Mammon took a massive seat and sat like a god over the church. Those things beget judgment. Jesus doesn't, you know, you can do anything with Jesus Christ. Don't, don't, don't try to share his seat or use his name. If you want to die early, let me give you an idea. Just go to the front of your house and write, Lord of Lords, that is me. If you live beyond that year, I'll be surprised. Just, just kill you for the fun of it. If you call yourself the richest man in Enugu, he will leave you alone. Call yourself Ndaboski, there's no problem. But the day you call yourself king of kings, I heard David personally explain this. That when they celebrated the 2,500 years of the Persian Empire, that's Iran of today, the Shah of Iran called himself king of kings, and he told himself this man will not last. The following year, Iranian revolution happened. And he was deposed. And as far as David Post was concerned, I knew it would happen. I think it was less than two years after. I said, why? You opened your mouth and called yourself king of kings. Say, Jesus does not stand that one. That was, you see, we're talking about Islamic revolution. That was the real reason Jesus deposed the Shah of Iran. There are some titles that are sacred. One brother said in their church, the Agakwata collects all the first fruits. Now, I don't have a problem with the first fruit. You can give your, you know, it's your money. You can give to anybody you like. So I said, why? He said, because he said he's the high priest. I said, does he want to live long? I said, there are titles you don't use. That title, high priest, especially amongst believers, belongs to only one person. His name is Jesus Christ. Don't go near it. Don't go near it. Don't even come close to a treaty like that mountain that's blazing with fire. Don't go near it. Names like King of Kings, Lord of Lords, ah, <laughs> High Priest, High Priest. Now, I'm saying all of this to let us understand something. We must look at life from what? The spiritual angle. We are believers. We can't afford to be assessing life from the physical parameter. We can't. We must ask each one you are going to pray. All right? Now, actually, that God help me to see. Because, you see, once we see from that angle, we see what God is doing. We see a nation created by himself. We see how the nation began to fulfill his purpose. i give you an example again. We've heard this example many times. Pa Elton prophesied NYS into existence. He said it will come to pass. That the federal government will pay young men and young women to go all over the country spreading the gospel. How did it manifest? NYC was started by Goan. And the Christians rode upon NYC 
and went to every nook and cranny of Nigeria preaching the gospel. NYC spread the gospel to where mission agencies could not. NYC did things that nobody could plan it. I hope you know federal government builds NCCF secretaries all over the country. How do they do it? Not directly. They, they call members, levy themselves one month's allowance. So once you're a call member, Christian, your brethren will say, we need one month, one month allowance from you. You can give it once if you like. You can give it bit by bit over 10 months, whichever way, give it to us. And they are using it to build their family houses. Who is actually paying? Federal government. God has a purpose. But what we don't understand, we stand and start tearing God's purpose apart. And Satan works like that. He stirs up anger in us. The problem in Nigeria is idolatry in the church. It's not Boko Haram. They are a manifestation. It's not headsmen. They are a manifestation. It's not a bandit. They are a manifestation. It's not Sunday Igboho. He's a manifestation. It's not Namdekanu. Those are manifestations. The real problem in Nigeria is idolatry. And I can assure you of the kind of idolatry it is. It is mammon worship. And God doesn't care about the general populace. He cares about only in church. If the church starts worshiping mammon, and they will start looking at what the things that God has given us as a blessing rather than a problem. Because everything has a problem. Everything, you know, that's a blessing has a problem. If God blesses you with children, one of the things they take away from you is peace. Children, they were born to remove peace. When you have kids, you now start praying again for peace. You've been in the house, you hear, Then you go there, everything is broken, everything is on the floor. What happened? We don't know. <laughs> and you are wondering, which spirit entered here? And they say they are going to school by themselves. And suddenly you realize that, wait, are they going to cross that junction where they were shooting last week? Then you are not at peace until they get to school. Then you wake up in the morning, you want to go out. It is not getting up. Why are you not getting up? His body is hot. Then suddenly, fever is all over the house. It's one person that has fever, but you can't go out. Your wife can't go out. So you are, do you understand my point? So if, and it's in the Bible like that. He said, where there is no oxen, the, the manger is clean. He said, but much strength or much wealth, actually. That's the word strength in the Hebrew. And wealth, they are the same thing. He said, much wealth comes by the strength of the oxen. So every blessing God gives you has its own problems. That's the point I'm making. You don't own your own house. You pay rent. Every problem is the landlord's problem. You know that? When roof goes off, you call the landlord half And God gives you your own house. Then tornado yanks off part of the roof. You can't pack away from that house. EDC will come and remove your wire. That is a legal wire. You, can't, you know if it's a rented house, you just pack your load. Say, oh, God, I know. Well, I'm meeting EDC. I'm going. Right now, you can't go. Your EDC will be your friend. You'll be placating them, negotiating interceding, prophesying. So, God gave you Nigeria as an example, and he has a lot of problems. Your children too, they have more problems, I hope you know, than Nigeria right now. But they will grow. Somebody say amen. Yeah, one day they will be a blessing. Yeah, you know one day they will be a blessing. They will be a blessing to their generation, they will be a blessing to you. This is what the Spirit is saying. This country will be a blessing. Amen. It will be a blessing to its citizens. Amen. It will be a blessing to the continent. Amen. And it will be a blessing to the whole world. Amen. 
Because that was the reason why God started it. So you know what we need? Spiritual insight. So that from different parts of the country, we're all praying the same prayer. That's what matters. That we are all praying the same prayer as believers. Let me add this one to you. Please, leave people out. Yeah, you want to pray, please. The only prayer you are allowed to aim towards President Muhammadu Buhari is Father God, keep him, bless him, let him know Jesus Christ, help him to make the right decisions in this land. That seat, we hereby anoint that seat by faith so that whatever he says will be the word of God. If he wants to make a decision that is not in line with your will, Lord, by yourself frustrated, surrounding with men of good counsel, who will know the mind of God concerning what we are to do in this season. That's how to pray. Don't say more than that. You know why? Because in himself, even though he is Jeroboam, if he, I'm not saying he's Jeroboam, even if he were Jeroboam, the problem is not Jeroboam. It's the sin of the house of David. So the house of David will repent. I hope you're getting my point. The house of David will repent. Let your prayer be, alright, for the country that it will fulfill its purpose. That every idolatry, everything that opposes God amongst us believers will be uprooted. Let our prayers be in that direction. We will come to a point of unity. See, let's go home. I don't want to sit on it. But see, eh? let's just leave it there. Because you see, the real purpose of God, eh? you don't have to know the fine details. Just obey the general principles we are teaching. The word is alive. It will go in and work out the fine details. Then you will look back and see what the Lord has done. Let's just give it all thanks. Let's bow down. I want us to go home. Time has really gone.